0: Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app.
1: You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with EW Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 254 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, EW Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have writer, performer, theater guy, and half of the Gavin and Chris stage team, Gavin Esham. And we talked to Gavin about how he got into theater and how he and Chris Sloan met and started crafting shows that have been performed off-Broadway in the wonderful theater district of New York City, and in many other theaters here on the East Coast of the United States of America. We also talk about how he was a geek in high school. He was an opera singer who then ended up in theater as time went on. We talk about some of his shows with Chris, one in particular called Chris and Gavin's Broadway Campaign Spectacular that they're working on to be staged in March in New York City. We also talk a bit about politics and the rights of LGBTQ folk in our country, as well as all other types of folk who just want to live and let live like most everyone in the human race. We get into some uh, aspects of how thinking locally is, is something we should do with regard to politics and building community, and a few other things like hooker songs, too a great conversation with Gavin Eshon today on the program. We also have our associate producer, a.k.a. Uncle Cesare, sharing a bit of Tennessee Williams, a streetcar name desired in particular, he reads from on today's episode. We also hear an EW essay by yours truly called Pop Cult and a poem titled Untold. And this, as is always the case, will be... Ensconced, imbued, infused with wonderful energy from several great tunes. Let's get to it. Episode 254 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours.
2: On the boulevard, I landed We used to kick routines and the presence was fitting It was I, the abstract And me, the five-footer I kicks the mad style, so step off the frankfurter Yo, Fife, you remember that routine? That way used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean Um, um, a tidbit Um, a smidgen I don't get the message, uh-huh. so you got to okay. run the pigeon You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip You're on point five, All the time, Tip You're on point, Fife. All the time, Tip But then grab the microphone and let your words rip Now here's a funky introduction of how nice I am Tell your mother Tell your father Send a telegram I'm like an energizer Cause you see I last long My crew is never Ever whack- because we stand strong Now if you say my style is right That's well you're dead wrong i slay that body And El Segundo Then push it along You'll be a fool Zirapot the fight is not the man Cause you know And I know That you know who I am A special shout-out piece Goes out to all my pals You see And a middle finger Goes for all you punk MCs. Cause I love it When you whack MCs Despise me They get vexed I will next Cause none contest me I'm just a and see Who's five for three And very brave On top remaining No I'm training Cause I misbehave I come correct and full effect of have all my holes in check And before I get the butt the it must be You see my aura is positive, I don't promote no junk. See, I'm far from a bully and I ain't a punk. Extremity of rhythm, yeah, that's what you heard. So just clean out your ears and just check the word. Check the time. the boulevard of linden we used to kick routines and the presence was fitting it uh, was i the viper and me the abstract the rhymes were so rumpin that the brothers rolled the zap hey, yo, tip do you recall when we used to rock uh, those fly routines on your cousin's block oh uh, let me see damn i can't remember i'll receive the message and you will play the same You're on point tip Industry rule number 4080 Record company people are shady So kids watch your back Cause I think they smoke crack I don't doubt it Look at how they act Off the better things like a hip hop forum Pass me the rock and I'll score them With the girl and proper But you say hammer, proper Rap is not pop If you call it that then stop
1: Pop Cult. Can I write something that is not too short and also not too long? A piece with a clear narrative, if not linear, then with at least a somewhat logical design and thematic sustainability? I know the focus could be the machinations in Washington, D.C., but how clever of a tale would we see This test is certainly stymieing my creativity because my overarching preoccupation is whether I am accomplishing with time what I set out for this grammar web of hodgepodge thought to be. But alas, I hear my refrigerator hum as if it is meditating while preserving the food setting inside until I might lift it off its shelf to pleasure myself while already filled to my sternum with orphan pride. I hazard to think that I am on the brink and it all may be a concerted pile of shameless ego not often enough denied by a self-proscribed humility and mindful meets kindness in stride. The walk of wisdom certainly cannot be foolhardy or connived, as this short piece might most likely be contrived. Let's take a walk on the antithetical side.
0: Maiden's clamor To be actin' in the drama. We've heard say you are gay Night and day But go away We drink water from a dipper You drink champagne from a slipper Though it seems cruel to bust All your dreams still I must Here's the truth I tell Life upon the wicked stage ain't ever what a girl saw pauses. Stage door Johnny's orange raging over you with gems and roses. When you let a fowler hold your hand, which means an extra beer or sandwich, everybody whispers ain't for life a word. <laughs> Though you're warned against a ruin in your death, you I have played around the one. a girl.
3: Ain't nothing girl.
1: Hello. Hello, Gavin. Esham, is that you? Hey,
4: that is me. Uh,
1: good, how are you? Um, nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
4: Well, it's nice to be on it. <laughs>
1: Let me uh, share a little bit of background with the listeners before we get started with our conversation, if you don't mind. Uh huh. First of all, I guess we should say that uh, Gavin is a writer, a performer, a theater guy, I guess you could uh, safely uh, put out there for sure. He studied theater at Northwestern University. He's half of the stage team known as Gavin and Chris. And today we're going to talk to him a bit about theater, and a, maybe a little bit about politics as well. So uh, once again, Gavin Esham, nice to have you on the program.
4: Why, thank you very much, sir.
1: Let's uh, let's get right in. Let's let's ask you how did you get into theater?
4: Well, <laughs> well you know, I actually I grew up in a very small town in uh, Vanceburg, Kentucky, uh, kind of one of those one-stop-like country towns that they talk about. And uh, I had a, se- a second cousin who actually was a pretty well-known opera singer. Um, her name was Faith Esham, And I always sang in church, you know, because that's just what you did. And um, one time she was there, and she heard me sing, and she kind of approached my Mom and my grandmother at the time had said, you know, you should get him into some lessons. I think he has uh, ability. So I started taking voice lessons with her first voice teacher at Moorhead State University. And I was kind of doing the the classical music track. And, um, you know, I I was a pretty big, I I would say, what you would call a geek (laughs) in high school and good grades. Really into science and academic team and everything. So, um, I kind of on a whim auditioned for this thing called Governor's School for the Arts uh, in Kentucky, where they took like, you know, the, the, the top, you know, people from around the state and they go to a, basically like a kind of an intensive. And I didn't think I had any shot of getting in because I had absolutely no experience. And had no idea what I was doing, and 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 uh, but I did, and that kind of that I, I like to say it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and the thing that ruined my life because <laughs> then after that I was I was uh, in my sinker, and and Northwestern was another thing where I was like never going to happen. I have absolutely no experience. I have absolutely no business auditioning for their music program. You know, it's just pretty prestigious and. And I don't know, some crazy person thought it would be a good idea to let me come. And so then the, I guess the rest is kind of history from there. But I started off in the opera program. And while I was there, I discovered theater and discovered dance. And, you know, and then I kind of moved away from opera uh, into
1: more of the theater, musical theater side of things. So you, you have a set of pipes, then. <laughs>
4: I, I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, when I, when I was doing opera, I thought the reason I didn't stay with opera is I thought I was always doing a really a, a pretty good impersonation of a kind of good opera singer, which is why I brought... But, yeah, I mean, I, I know. My mom thinks I'm a great singer.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't count.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly... Um, I certainly feel very lucky to, uh, you know, I guess be able to sing. But I hate shooting Man, and porn. I don't know. I always really feel weird. I don't want to declare myself good because then I feel like uh, I do feel like that's bad juju.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, plus it just to be to have some humility is is classy, and it is a better way better way to exist generally i mean because you know you can always grow and if you start thinking you're all that it probably kind of stymies the, you know the growth of of, of you as an individual or an artist or what have you
4: oh absolutely and, and i think once and also too just seems like completely selfish that if i just lower the bar so much you know i never disappoint anybody right right
1: <laughs> right. right right now you know, keep
4: a low expectation that we're all good
1: yeah, that's basically. Well, we're not going to get into politics yet, but that's often what we ah. see, you know, ah. in politics, right? Well, they didn't, you know, totally insult uh, the millions of people today, so you know, it's a good day. Um, I know, it's not crazy? Uh, oh, it is. Yeah, but let's hold off on that ugliness for for a bit. Let's uh, let's talk okay. more about your theater experience. You know, you have sure. uh, a stage uh, partner, Chris, I right? Do. Chris Sloan, and uh, you guys have put together a couple of productions of your own, and uh, you've also worked together to get into other people's uh, stage productions also in New York City. Uh, I saw one which was wonderful, Chris and Gavin's Broadway campaign, spectacular. I saw it at the Scranton French Festival. And that's kind of how we met. My associate producer, Michael Pavise, and and I met you guys after the performance and asked you to be on the program. And thankfully, you were gracious enough to do so. Uh, Now, how did you guys get together, you and Chris? And and what's it like working with somebody to write and then make real uh, a stage production?
4: Well, we met actually doing um, a reading and then production of this short-lived, I would say, Broadway play, uh, not Broadway, off-Broadway um, play called Joy. Um, and that's how we met uh, doing that. And, you know, it, it, it was one of those things where I don't, I don't know if we thought we were meant to. We we would know that this 15 years later that we would be the kind of friends and collaborators that we are. But that's just kind of the awesome thing that happens, I guess, in life. Uh, and you know, we just stayed we just became really, really, really good friends and he, and he couldn't be more different than me. I think it's probably what makes our relationship work is that we are polar opposites in so many ways, but we have a a very i don't know we just have the, this one of those indescribable connections and when um when we did this a version of this show, it was during the first Obama campaign um, politics was the absolute Looney Tunes you had this guy Barack Obama coming onto the scene I mean politics was just a blaze and um, at the same time that that wonderful situation was going on Chris and I were both having probably the worst period of our professional lives as far as getting hired to do anything <laughs>
3: we couldn't <laughs> we,
4: we would get together Usually over a couple bottles of wine, and alone, the fact that you know we just couldn't book a job. I mean, it was just, it was sad. So probably one of those nights with you know the big girl bottle of yellowtail Shiraz. You know, we started kind of talking about. um, We were talking about politics and obviously probably bitching about our our lives and in theater, and we were like, "What if you?" I mean, basically, you kind of are. You're running you know, you're campaigning to be on Broadway. You train, you study, you shake hands, you meet this casting director, you take this class. It's all about who you know and all this stuff. I was like, there's so many similarities. I was like, what if you ran your, you know, your theater career like you did a campaign? And so then we thought, well, you know what? No one else is hiring us right now. We have absolutely nothing else to do. So why don't we just, get, you know, we'll do this. We'll make a funny sketch. Our friends will like it and we can get on stage and you know, that'll be that. And that's kind of how it all happened. And then we, we made so many discoveries, A, that we loved working with each other, that we played so well with each other. You know, it's, it's rare to have a partner, like a, a comedy partner, you know, when you find that person that really that, it's just crazy how how much we click, and we've also discovered that you know we could write you know that we we could create our own material, which was super exciting and you know it takes some of the pressure off of asking everybody else to give you a shot if you create your own opportunities, which is not an you know a unique story, I think in theater. I think a lot of great things come out of people taking control of their own creative destiny and making their own work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of how it all happened. And then of course, you know, when you saw it, we we're doing a new version of, again, because again, we're experiencing a, um, c- completely different but crazy political year, you know? Um, where politics again is ablaze, maybe with a different kind of fire, but you know it is—it's not. So it, it felt like the right time to take that one out of the out of the trunk and breathe some new life into it.
1: And you know, obviously, you know, again, fifteen years you guys have been working together. You know each other well. You have great chemistry uh, off stage when writing. It, it seems, and for certain, from my experience on stage when uh, performing, uh, what. What do you be, you're trying to entertain? Of course, you're entertainers. Is there more to what you're trying to to share or to accomplish with the production on stage than just entertaining? Well, you know, I think I don't know.
4: I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we want people just to have the best time that they can possibly have. So I guess maybe the big thing is to to entertain. I mean, getting across some. Some points of view I think is important but we never wanted it to be we're not trying to be too preachy or too self-indulgent or too you know it's not um, it's supposed to just it's supposed to feel good
3: but in a smart
4: way you know we're trying to take maybe things that are classic um, comedic devices and trying to figure out a fresh way to approach it, you know, something that's old but new again. Does that make any sense?
1: At all? Yes, of course it does. Especially when you you give the history of uh, theater in America, you're part of that now. You look at everything before your what you're doing, and and it informs where you want to go. You respect it, and you want to you you want to you know uh, show that respect, but also create new something new. Yeah, I mean, and I
4: think that there's you know because. Classic comedy teams and that kind of sketch comedy, you know Carol. You know I always think of we we both love Carol Burnett and and um, we you know those those things to us are are incredibly timeless. And it's interesting that there seems to be um, a tilt to try to revive the variety show, the sketch show, and all these things now are becoming kind of in vogue again. You know, and everyone's like, "Ooh, isn't that new and interesting?" And we're like, "No, actually, that's been around for you know, hundreds of years." But we appreciate that you're actually
1: paying attention to <laughs> it again. <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: well, um, how about now we shift into politics? Uh, uh, I don't know. This is kind of interesting, Gavin. Too, as we speak, you know, recording our conversation for the for the uh, show for Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. is in Scranton. That's where I'm calling you from uh, to get oh, no. a gun permit. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> oh. Isn't that weird? Uh, <laughs> well, I,
4: listen, I I don't. I That man, that man Jr., good God. I wonder where he is. Uh, there's a place. I saw like a really, I, I heard a really disturbing thing where it's like a gun range, but you can also bring your guns there and you can get a permit. And they touted something about it being like get a permit in five minutes or less or something. And I was like, great, while you're, yeah, while you're
1: waiting for your cheeseburger.
4: It, pretty much, yeah. I was like, you can't even get chicken nuggets at the drive-through at McDonald's that quickly. So, bravo, you know, for getting someone, you know, probably a semi-automatic in you know five minutes or less. But, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, oi. and and you know, I wanted to ask you uh, about your your take on uh, how the LGBTQ community is faring or might fare given this uh, Trump administration and the Republican-controlled Congress. Uh, you, you know, it's 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 disheartening.
4: Um, it's it's yeah. It, I mean, that's the word. I, I guess. That I mean, it's not to me. It's not even about specific smaller groups. I mean, it's about women. It's about minorities. It's about LGBTQ. It's about immigrants. It seems that there is something incredibly awful happening with all the progress that we seem to have been making. You know, all of the the small steps, the small victories that. You know, we were coming just to kind of just be part of the world. You know, I don't think anyone's asking for anything special. It's just saying we are the same. There is, you know, we just want to level the playing field and just most of the time just leave us alone. You know, that's let us live our lives equally and just let us be. You be you, I be me. We all live on the same planet. But it just feels as though i here's my my thought it is that there's a small you know percentage of people that still support uh, forty five and I think that he is saying whatever he needs to say to hold on to those small percentage of people, and unfortunately, that small percentage of people don't really have a lot of good things to say about anyone who doesn't. Or isn't like them, you know. It's just a very scary, scary thing to pander to a small group. Just the whole, you know, you're clinging on to something because you have absolutely no credibility to the majority of people. But that's that's what it is. And unfortunately, because he is the president, and the Republicans, are, they're they're so kind of obsessed with holding on to the power. So they'll make any deal with anybody in order to hold on to that. I think it's a short game. I really do. I feel like in the long run, it's you can already see that it's it's not a, a long it's not a good long game. I mean, Doug Jones in Alabama,
1: right?
4: There you go. Right. You know, a Democrat got elected
1: in Alabama. So
4: if that doesn't send exactly, and there are they're are wonderful, wonderful people in Alabama. I have family in Alabama. You're that from Kentucky. Alabama. You're a
1: Southerner. You're a Southerner. I,
4: I, I am, I am, I mean, I am country, like, you can shine me up all you want, but I am a boy uh, from the country, and I, you know, they're remarkably, I mean, it's where, I, that's who I am, but, um, I, you know, I, I've made a post I remember I made a post on Facebook once, I said, I know that there are responsible Republicans, conservatives, and there are some views when you talk about conservatism that I'm not uh, opposed to, um, I said, but you know, crazy people have stolen your mic.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I, the people that are on the news and getting quoted and getting you know in front of the cameras, I don't think are representing you that well. And you need to take your mic back because crazy people have taken your mic.
3: Mm-hmm. That's cool. I don't point. know
4: if anyone. Yeah, it's just I. You know, I. I just think that it, I. I don't. I believe, I believe, I'm still optimistic. I am still hopeful because I do think that this will be something that we will survive as we have survived many, many things. It's just, you know, to me, it's disheartening. I feel I feel as though something that we thought was getting better suddenly has been, you know, kind of uncovered in a way, in an ugly way. and And people suddenly, because You know, it comes from the top. They think it's okay to come right out in the middle of the day and spout their racist, bigoted, you know, anti-LGBT crap because he can do it, so why can't I? You know,
1: which is awful. Do you think more people, uh, and this is a tough question for you to answer, I know that, uh, asking it, but do you think more people in our society... uh, misunderstand the LGBT community and what uh, that community, as diverse as it is, is fighting for in in the context we're discussing more. They misunderstand that more than they might the uh, African-American community or Latino community, and thus, you know, even inadvertently support uh, policies or initiatives or people who are Contra to what you and I would probably agree is just for the LBGTQ community.
4: Well, you know, honestly, I, you know, ignorance, you know, by a definition of ignorance is lack of knowledge, right? It's lack yes. of knowledge or exposure to something. I think that a lot of, and, and I'm not, so I'm saying when people are ignorant, I'm saying it in that way. I'm like, you have not been exposed. You have not been educated. I'm not coming down on you. Because, like I said, you know, in my little town, uh, Vanceburg, there was one black family. They were the Bulls. I believe they still are the only black family. Um, To be a Catholic was edgy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, there was one quote-unquote gay man, but he wasn't even gay. His name was Cookie, and, you know, he was, uh, you know, an established bachelor. I mean, that's (laughs) one thing. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where I grew up.
1: You are listening to Troubadours and Raconteurs with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn.
4: I think it's lack of exposure. You know, that you're not going to, if you're not kind of put in a situation where you meet a real human being who is a minority, who is uh, or gay or transgender or any of these things, have a real conversation and, you know, I bet you more people than most would probably have a harder time getting on board with some of these things that seem, you know, to that are awful, you know, that are discriminatory or, or treat, treating people less than, you know, I, I really do. I, I believe in my heart that if more people were in a more diverse situation, I feel like these things wouldn't be they would they would it just wouldn't be as much of a a thing you know but they they're not exposed to anything they live in a, a very small kind of limited bubble you know and there's nothing wrong with that but it, it is wrong when you suddenly think that anything that's different than you is bad you know that's wrong that yeah. to me that is wrong
1: i i i I totally agree uh, though the the Problems that we face are are real, so as you said, you can't i mean I think as you're implying you can't ignore it but how do you how how do we address it with our fellow citizens and yeah, if people can't sense someone else's humanity uh and understand that everybody pretty much wants and needs the same things as a human being, uh then those people they're they're not normal you know they're 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 not they, they're they not a, a going to be changed in their way, so to speak. Most people, I think you're hopeful, and I am too, would, if they sensed another person's humanity, realize that that person should not be treated any differently than they themselves would want to be treated, right? But it doesn't I, I really do. Yeah,
4: no. I mean, I think most people are like that. I mean, unfortunately, the people, you know, what we find a lot of times is that the people that are in power, um... Can be more extreme, I mean we're seeing it we're seeing that they are actually the ones that have a kind of a uh, diabolical agenda you know they have something and it's not right and unfortunately they have they get elected you know for various reasons and and whatnot and and I think they're pushing through some things and i don't think anyone is as a general rule totally comfortable with, but you know they're that's what's that's what's happening, you know, and you know my sister actually li- works in D.C. and um, she, you know, she deals with the Hill a lot. Um, and I asked her one time about it, and I said, you know, what do we do? What what do we do? I mean, it just feels we 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 we're, we were going some down some dark, dark rabbit hole. And she said, you know what? People need to stop <coughs> looking at the top ticket items like. Stop looking at the president as far as, you know, the Russia investigation all this stuff. She was like, people are not, are not paying attention to what's happening locally. Your local elections in your small towns, like all these things, you need to deal with that because that's what happens is that we're looking at the things that, you know, are kind of beyond our pay grade in a lot of ways that we have very little control of, but we do have control over our communities. You know, and you can make your community, you know, your voice heard in your community. So I've kind of shifted my, my thinking on that, you know, I'm paying attention to local elections and paying attention to what's happening in the Scranton school system and paying attention. You know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be handled here, you know, in this small little county um, that I feel like I can be somewhat effective about. And uh, the other stuff, you know, hopefully that will, you know, you build on that. You know, everyone was doing that more civically responsible in general. A lot more good things would happen. A lot less garbage would get through, in my opinion. Well put. I thought.
1: Well put. Yeah, very good. Thanks for sharing that. Now, we uh, have several minutes left, Gavin Esham. And it's nice to have you on <laughs> Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Wonderful conversation. I want to give you an opportunity to share some contact information with the listeners, uh, maybe the, uh, when you're also when your next production might be expected, things of that nature. Okay.
4: Uh, contact information. Well, actually, it's interesting. Uh, we are in the process right now of... Um, uh, of doing a couple of dates in New York again. I I can't say specifically what date it is yet because we're still kind of in negotiations with the venue, but it will be at the end of March. And um, we have a Chris and Gavin Facebook page uh, that we have been using. uh, So you can find it on that, or um, you can go to uh, my page, Gavin Esham on Facebook and it will take you to the Chris and Gavin Facebook page. mean that's basically what we've been doing. We also, we just started doing an Instagram, but Chris, it's a Chris and Gavin Instagram page. But I will fully admit that he and I both are 40-year-old men who are trying to figure out how to use it properly. And I, I still don't think I'm doing it right. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I just, my mom had to teach me what a hashtag was and why people were doing it. I, I kid you not.
1: No, I she hear you.
4: Me, yeah. I, I'm there. I apparently I'm there I was doing she she told me that I was tweeting wrong and that my hashtags were ridiculous and I didn't know what a hashtag was and she had to explain it to me. And now my mother is, you know, of a certain age, so I was a little bit embarrassed, but I am getting better. But yeah, so Facebook, um and uh Instagram are on there.
1: So and a show in March and NYC.
4: Yeah, so we're gonna do it late March. We're looking at the last weekend. And like I said, I wish I could. I wish I could say uh, what the venue was, um, but uh, it's it's gonna it's nice. We we're in negotiations with a very new venue that's um, right in the theater district and stuff like that. So fingers crossed when everything comes in because uh, we have a producer now, Kevin Duda, uh, Kevin Duda Productions, who's coming on board to help us kind of take it to the next level. And my dear dear friend DJ Salisbury um is going to be kind of directing it.
1: That's excellent. That's excellent. And yeah. Is it a brand new show or is it
4: Well, no, we're actually doing the show that you saw. Uh, we're going to do that again. We're actually doing some rewriting. Um
1: and that's Chris and Gavin's Broadway campaign spectacular. Campaign
4: spectacular. Uh yeah. So, we're actually doing some rewrites. Uh we're Kind of there was I, you know, I think you saw like where we did that ab- absurdly long medley about hooker songs from Broadway. I loved it we 're kind of we 're making it longer because we Good. thought why not because <laughs> we 've unearthed more more hookery songs there 's always more <laughs> hooker songs to be found, <laughs> and um, we're um, kind of actually interestingly, in essence we were talking about politics we 're not tilting away from politics but you know, we had some Trump jokes in the show. A lot of Trump jokes, and we're kind of doing away with a lot of them. We because we thought, you know what? There are funnier things to talk about than Trump,
3: yeah. you know.
4: We'll make a few because it would be ridiculous not to, but you know, at this point we were like, it's old and it's tired and tired and quite frankly, you know, I don't know if it's funny anymore because it's just too ridiculous. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. We, we, we've gone to some other place now. So it's exciting, you know, because it, for us, you know, we want to push ourselves, you know, as artists and, and to make it, you know, as funny and, you know, uh, relevant. And, and, and also to try to make it something that's not so, uh, limited as far as, like, if, it, you know, like, we made some jokes, or, you know, when you saw it, like, we made some Scaramucci jokes, we made this, and we looked at it, and we thought, well, there's always, there's an expiration date on this, yeah you know, yeah. that joke is not going to be funny, blah, blah, so we, you know, we're trying to find stuff that, you know, could last, you know, but we'll always be tweaking and, and you know, throwing in new jokes here and there, and stuff like
1: that. Yeah, make a it press. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah, exactly.
1: I, I look like forward to it. I look forward to. It. I'm gonna to have to get out there and check it out. Uh, and um, I, I also want to let you know that, uh, and this is so totally self-serving. My, my son is a junior at University of the Arts, studying music, musical theater. So, you know, in a, in a year or two, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him your direction. You know, maybe you could use him in a production. You, well, yeah.
4: listen, I, you know the the great. The great, great, great thing about there's many things about being an actor that are just too horrifying to discuss right now, but um, one of the wonderful things about the uh, you know acting is the community, and uh, everyone. I I was helped along the way by people that have more experience and opened some doors for me, and and you know I feel like at this stage of my life. You know, I, I, there is, like, younger people are coming to me and asking questions, and I actually have good answers. And <laughs> so uh-huh. what? You're wise now. So, I, I know. When did that happen? <laughs> uh, but, yes, please, please send them my way. I'd be happy to. I'll tell them, you know, I'll make it simple. I'll be like, here's all the things not to do. And then these, are
1: the, because I've done them all,
4: <laughs> and, you know. So avoid those things, and then you're you're in good shape. You'll be in much better shape than I
1: was. Uh, well, I, I'll do that, and I appreciate I appreciate that, and, and you taking out the time to talk with us today, Gavin. Uh, have a have a wonderful um, rest of the winter, and uh, we'll see you out there in in the theater circles soon.
4: Fantastic! Thank you so much. Good to
1: talk to you. Same here. Ciao.
5: Freulein! Zally
3: boys.
5: You have to understand the way I am, mein Herr A tiger is a tiger, not a lamb, mein Herr you'll never turn the vinegar to jam, mine hair. So I do what I do when I'm through, then I'm through, and I'm through toodaloo. Bye, bye, my liebe hair. Farewell, my liebe hair. It was a a fair, affair But now it's over And though I used to care I need the open air You're better off without me, mine hair Don't dab your eye, mine hair Or wonder why, mine hair I've always said that I was a rover You mustn't knit your brow You should've known by now You've every cause to doubt me, mine hair continent of Europe is so wide, mine hair. Not only up and down, but side to side, mine hair. I couldn't ever cross it if I'd tried, mine hair. But I do what I can, inch by inch, step by step, mile by mile, man by man. My Lieber hair, farewell my Lieber hair It was a fine affair, but now it's over And though I used to care, I need the open air You're better off without me, my hair don't dab your eye, mine hair, or oh, wonder why mine hair. I've always said that I was a rover. You mustn't knit your brow. You should have known by now. You'd every cause to doubt me, my hair. Bye bye, my neighbor hair. I'll be Herr. same, my hair. Es sehr gut, mine hair und vorbei. Du kennst mich wohl, mein hair. Ach, wir wohl, mein hair. Du sollst mich nie mehr sehen, mein hair. Bye bye, my neighbor. Go hair And bye-bye Bye-bye my lieber hair Well my lieber hair It was a fine affair But now it's over And though I used to care I need the Oh better you're better off without me
6: From A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Mitch and Blanche. Mitch speaks first. Mother is sick. I'm sorry to hear that. Badly. She won't live long. Maybe just a few months. Oh. She worries because I'm not settled. Oh. She wants me to be settled before she. You love her very much, don't you? Yes. I think you have a great capacity for devotion. You will be lonely when she passes on. Won't you? I understand what that is. To be lonely? I love someone too, and the person I loved, I lost. Dead? A man? He was a boy, just a boy, when I was a very young girl. When I was 16, I made the discovery. Love, all at once and much, much too completely. It was like you suddenly turned a blinding light on something that had always been half in shadow. That's how it struck the world for me. But I was unlucky. Deluded. There was something different about the boy. A nervousness, a softness, and tenderness, which wasn't like a man's although he wasn't the least bit effeminate-looking. Still, that thing was there. He came to me for help. I didn't know that. I didn't find out anything till after our marriage, when we'd run away and come back, and all I knew was I'd failed him in some mysterious way and wasn't able to give them the help he needed, but couldn't speak of. He was in the quicksands and clutching at me. But I wasn't holding him out. I was slipping in with him. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything except I loved him unendurably, but without being able to help him or help myself. Then I found out, in the worst of all possible ways, by coming suddenly into the room, that I thought was empty, which wasn't empty, but had two people in it. The boy I had married and an older man who had been his friend for years. Afterwards, we pretended that nothing had been discovered. Yes, the three of us drove out to Moon Lake Casino, very drunk and laughing all the way "'We danced. "'Suddenly in the middle of the dance, "'the boy I had married broke away from me "'and ran out of the casino. "'A few moments later, a shot! "'I ran out. "'All did. "'All ran and gathered about the terrible thing "'at the edge of the lake. "'I couldn't get near for the crowding. "'Then someone caught my arm. "'Don't go any closer.' Come back. You don't want to see. See? See what? Then I heard the voices say, Alan! Alan! The gray boy. He'd stuck the revolver into his mouth and fired so that the back of his head had been blown away. It was because on the dance floor, unable to stop myself, I'd suddenly said, I saw, I know, you disgust me. And then the searchlight, which had been turned on the world, was turned off again, and never for one moment since has there been any light that's stronger than this. Kitchen, candle, You need somebody, and I need somebody too. Could it be you and me, Blanche? Sometimes there's God, so quickly.
1: Untold, bunk beds setting in the foyer, maybe instead I should have been a goddamn lawyer. As Jesus' lovers mock the whereabouts of my scrotum, I think that perhaps we should not have our morals passed on via human hubris as we bought and sold them. And a nagging pain in my chest punctuates one human's karmic unrest as this springtime and early January unfolds into the voluptuous avenues of our so-called civilized control untold. Though rarely are we breaking any new ground or smashing enough of the plethora of defective molds. Can someone please tell me, How much goodness all of this beholds.
4: I am the polka king. We're going to bring polka back. Can you feel it?
2: You can feel it, can you?
0: Everybody polka. You're feeling sad Everybody for come It will make you
4: the-
3: understand everybody will come it
2: Zeke 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 Thank you very much!
1: And there you have it, episode 254 of Troubadours and Rock Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks that made this episode possible. First and foremost, writer, director, and stage producer, actor Gavin Esham. Good luck with the new production. Break a leg i also like to thank our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavese, for sharing a little bit of Tennessee Williams. Thank you to him as well, a streetcar named Desire in particular. And let's give some gratitude to these wonderful musical artists as well. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, A Tribe Called Quest, the cast of the 1993 Toronto revival of Showboat, Liza Minnelli, Alex North, Jack Black and the Polka King Band featuring my friend Ron Stabinski and of course Brantford Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard too. Thanks for listening. Until next week, enjoy this one.